Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bill Johnson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ibethel.org. A verse that I review with you fairly often, maybe every six months or so, is this passage of scripture where it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short. Glory means to miss the mark. It would be an archer aiming at a target, but falling short of the target. When Jesus picked up the bow, he hit the target exactly, and he did it on our behalf. But sin is that thing that was done separate from God's influence that puts a scar and a mark and a dishonor towards God himself. Jesus paid the ultimate price, as we know, to atone is the word, which means to cover, to, to wipe away the penalty of sin and to release to us a gift called a new nature. But the scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's actually the manifested presence of God in which there are dimensions, and the ultimate dimension is extremely intense. But in that intense environment of presence, literally not one other thing in the world matters. It is, a, it is the ultimate fulfillment in experience, in awareness. It's the ultimate fulfillment of why you're alive. It satisfies the hunger that nothing has ever satisfied before. Nothing can come close. And the reason is we were actually born to live in the glory. We were actually designed, literally, if you could, if you could talk about you know, how a plug fits in the wall, it's, that plug is actually designed to fit perfectly, seamlessly into that wall. It's the same, it's the same thing. It's, it's like you were designed perfectly, seamlessly, to fit into the glory of God and to live and thrive in that dimension of God's presence. Every taste of presence, every taste of goodness is simply an invitation for more. In Psalms 100 it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, I will enter his courts with praise. What I don't want to do is, is set up uh, some regimented, uh, regimented concept of how to pray. I, I don't want to do that because that, that doesn't help us. Because, you know, when you're in a crisis, you don't have time to go through steps. You just go, help! You just cry out to God and just pray. He just shows up and fixes something. So he, he's, in fact, one of my favorite uh, concepts in the Bible is the one-sentence prayers that are throughout the book of Nehemiah. Remember me now for this. One prayer. And the Lord was moved by that prayer. I believe strongly in that, but I also believe strongly in the heavenly protocol. And whenever God gives us a protocol, a pattern, if you will, it's always to reveal his nature. It's always to reveal something about the heavenly realm and how we are capable and able to interact in this that is so otherworldly. There are parts of the heavenly realm that mirror earthly realms. For example, there are concepts like sowing and reaping. You plant corn, you harvest corn. But in the heavenly realm, you plant mercy, you harvest mercy. But then there are other parts of the heavenly realm that have no earthly 
replica or duplicate. And what the glory does is it introduces us to another world that actually makes everything else we know appear to be a shadow as compared to the substance we've now encountered. The more I read about this glory, the more I want to go deeper, the more I want to go deeper still into this manifestation, into the very heart of God. There's something interesting in uh, both Old and New Testaments, Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, and Aramaic, and New. The word for presence is actually the word face. So when he talks about his manifested presence, he's actually talking about face. He's talking about entering, if, if you will, into that divine encounter with the face of God. I mean, you know, you don't ever want the face of God to turn from you. Because that face is the face of acceptance, of celebration. It's the face of a loving father. And the whole concept there is that we come before the face of God and his delight is actually in us. In this Psalm 100, it says, I will enter his gates. A unique thing, I think it's Psalms 132, I forgot to look. He says the gates are actually where he dwells. So there's a measure of presence. Do you understand that there are measures of presence? Yeah. I mean, there's a measure of presence we're enjoying right now. It's just simply in the room. But there's also a, if you could go from that 100 steps up, there's a, there a million steps up. There is a realm of his presence that our earthly body couldn't exist in. You, you understand? That's why we get new bodies. You're, you're making me work, but it's all right. It's worth it. All right. So... There's a measure of presence instantly in the thanksgiving realm. He says, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. What's the concept behind thanksgiving? It's, it's we all know how to do the discipline of thanksgiving. We know how to say, well, God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for this miracle you did for us last month where you provided for us. All those things are right. Those are, those are essential things to do. But it's not always, it's, it's oftentimes, does this make sense? It oftentimes comes out of a discipline and not a heart that is overflowing. A thankful heart doesn't have to think about giving thanks. A thankful heart does not have to make the decision, let's now give thanks. Because a thankful heart is actually overflowing with gratitude for what God has done. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Thanksgiving is our response to his actions, his works. Praise is our response to his nature. Worship is our response to his presence. His invitation for us to enter into that place, let me just say the end goal is to increasingly enter into the realm and measure of glory. I personally think we rarely get there, most of us rarely get into that place of true, heartfelt, surrendered response to presence, the worship part. Because the worship leads into that glory. It's not like you do these three steps, he rewards you. It's not that. It's just he can trust you with more the deeper you go in. Because the farther you go with him, the more you have to leave behind. I think a great illustration is Moses is before the presence of the Lord and God says to Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. He had to remove something. He had to leave something behind. It doesn't mean shoes are evil. It doesn't mean he didn't pick them up after the encounter. It just means there was something where he needed to remove any possible separation. So 
Israel was in this journey through the wilderness. They spent 40 years there. A whole new generation, a generation rose up. And the Lord spoke to Moses, and, he, and, and I'm just going to put it in my language. He says, I can't take you into the promised land until you circumcise all the men, because there was all these people that were born in the wilderness that were never circumcised. They had to leave something behind before they could go farther. They had to leave flesh behind. Flesh represents carnality, decisions made in pure motives. It's the, it's, it's the part of life that, that is crucified with Christ that we have to keep in the grave. So we come to this place of thankfulness where gratitude is normal because we become aware of things. We actually become, in a heartfelt way, we become conscious of the God who works wonders. It may be your own conversion. You may remember back to the day and you start thinking, man, I was bound to so many things and I'm no longer bound to those things. And there's just this gratitude. Was, my life would probably be over. I've, I've had people tell me, man, I would be dead by now with the direction I was going in life and yet Jesus met me, forgave me. I am free. I, that part of my life is just not there anymore because Jesus came and saved them. And, and they're in that moment of reviewing the activities of God in their life. And gratitude is not a discipline. Gratitude is the abundance of the heart that overflows for his honor. And I don't want to make this so regimented that we stop being thankful once we get into praise, once we get into worship. It's like all these things we take with us into this, this encounter, and then it's ongoing. I was just with Randy Clark uh, last week, I think it was, or 10 days or so ago in Orlando. I had a wonderful time again. I was at Mark Sharona's church, and it's two, two of my favorite people in the world. And this gentleman came up to me that is working with Randy. He, a young man who travels with Randy, and, and um, he had been to some meeting that I was at, and we prayed for him. He had some sort of a terminal disease. I, 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 I feel bad I forget the details, but once these testimonies get into my brain, there's a mixer in there, and it just kind of blends them all together. I know that good things happen, but I'm afraid I'm going to get the detail of this one with the detail of this one, and we're going to end up with a three-headed monster as I give you a testimony. <laughs> but there's a couple things about this story that I do remember clearly. He was healed of this terminal disease. But interestingly, he was born with three kidneys. Two of them were bad, so they actually removed two of the kidneys. So he was with one kidney. You understand you can live with one kidney, right? Why did God give you two? He's the God of more than enough. I'm serious. It's all through your body. You don't need everything. <laughs> I'm not going any farther with any of that, however. So, so he, had, he had one kidney. And uh, when we prayed for him, he was healed of that terminal disease. He went back to the doctor. I don't remember why, but I think he felt something going on in his body. He asked the doctor. He said, please x-ray me. They x-rayed him. He had two completely whole and healthy kidneys. The Lord literally recreated the kidney. You know, these testimonies aren't just to be, you know, read and go, oh, that's so cool. Thank you, God. Ponder them. 
how somebody's life is forever changed because they are alive and not dead. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine uh, that I haven't seen for years now, but he, uh, every year I'd do a conference with him and we'd just kind of wonder, all, all the speakers would wonder, when we get together for the next conference, how many people will he have raised from the dead now? Because it increased every year, you know, and, and uh, he's just one of those guys. And he's just such a humble, uh, uh, underspoken, is that the right word? Just, just, just zero hype, just a very humble man but a man of great authority. And so we'd look forward to meeting with him, you know, every year because he'd come with some new story. In fact, he was raised from the dead himself. And he said, you know, he said, when I was raised from the dead, he says, it really changed my life. <laughs> I'll bet it did. The Lord welcomes us into the thankful part where our response to him is the normal expression of exposure to his works, whether it's raising from the dead, it's the healing of the kidneys, the salvation of a friend, open doors for your business, doesn't matter what it is. It's the heartfelt response, it's the thankful heart. Praise is where, is where we discover he doesn't just heal, he is the healer. He doesn't just provide, he's actually he's the provider. He is the, he is the source of all life. He cannot help but provide. The Bible says he sustains all things by the word of his power. Everything in existent, existence is glued together, is actually held together in place by the word of his power. You don't want him to take back his word. Everything disintegrates. He literally holds everything by the, together by the word of his power. So in this, in this atmosphere of, of praise, it's where we begin to connect with his nature. You can't review his history of interactions with people. You can't delve into his nature and not want to worship. We only stop short because of distraction, busyness, guilt, all these things that war for our attention, but actually, honestly, if I see, if I see his nature, there's the most normal thing in the world is to want to declare his greatness. Suddenly, there's not a problem I have in my life that makes any sense. I mean, they may be real. I don't mean it doesn't exist. You know, you've got a fatal disease. You've got a loved one dying. You've got some crisis coming your way. Those things are very real. But, I, but it is absolutely true. In the light of his face, those things lose their significance to be able to rob and steal from you. They lose their power. I've, I've said it so many times, but it's, it's absolutely true. The breakthrough for many people begins the moment they stop being impressed with the size of their problem. exchanging consciousness, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but consciousness, awareness of problems to awareness of not only his presence, his nature, I cannot help but worship. There's every, everything in creation worships. 
Every, everything in creation, the Bible talks about the leaves of the tree, talk about everything just is exalting and declaring his greatness, his wonders. It's such a profound reality that Jesus warned us. He said, if these do not cry out, even the rocks will cry out. There's just, there's something about, it's, it's interwoven into creation itself that there is a continuous wave of glory to God for who he is. People are the only ones with the option. And in this moment, we see his nature, and all we want to do is just to come farther. And in this realm of worship, there are opportunities and, and, and places where we actually get to step into that, that glory. And l- let me describe it, that glory where more than ever before, you come face to face with why you're alive. It's... it's the one thing that fully satisfies why we are alive. It's that glory, it's that manifested presence. You were born for this. We were born and designed to live in the glory of God. And he freely invites every person. It's not just the Moseses and the Davids and you know, the heroes of faith. It's every person washed in the blood of Jesus is invited into this place of interaction and glory. But it's not a token moment. It's not a moment where we throw up a 10 second prayer of thankfulness, now we move on with our day. It's the fact I'm arrested by something that's greater than me and the deep of my heart burns in affection for him. You know where you get your zeal for God? How many of you feel this zeal of God just coursing through your soul? I hope it's everybody in the room. We just have this zeal for him. You got it from him. All you're doing is mirroring back to him, his zeal for you. Jesus said, zeal for my house, that's you. Zeal for my house has consumed me. Everything that we respond to him with is merely an expression of his own heart for us. You can't exceed his heart for you. You cannot surpass. You cannot be more zealous. You cannot be more affectionate. You cannot be more good. We will spend eternity exploring his goodness and reflecting that back to him in our love for him. But it's that burning place of affection for him. It's to take the time to consider until your own heart just begins to burn for him. You lack words. You lack words. There's... There's just this place of intense affection and value and adoration where time just seems to stand still. There's just, there's just this place of affection and adoration that, that, that somehow plugs me into the very reason why I was created, tapped into the actual design that I was made with. There was a pattern set in heaven, and you were created after that pattern, a template, if you will, in the heart of God for what mankind would look like, what it would be like to be affectionate ones, burning ones, that come face to face with the Almighty God with deep, deep affection and love for who he is. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 15. Oh, goodness. I am way later in this than I was supposed to be. Oops. If you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. 
The subject of this chapter is of the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches. And he says in verse seven, if you abide in me, that word abiding is, if you could picture, the branch of a vine connected to the vine. It's not glued on. It's actually grown together. Do you understand that? The root of the branch, the life of the vine, they're, they're seamlessly together. And that's your life in Christ. So he says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Can't study the whole verse because of how much I've run out of time, but I can cover part of it, so I'll do my best. It would be easy to look at this verse and have the thing that stands out to us the most, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. That's not the focus of the verse. It's the fruit of the focus. It's secondary. The focus is abiding. It's that, it's that seamless connection. It's the continuous awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Consciousness of God is not a mental effort. It is a heart effort. It's not a mental exercise, it's a heart exercise. It's literally a place of yielding, of surrender, of acknowledgement. And our mind follows behind and gains understanding and matures. But it begins here in the heart of hearts in absolute surrender. That's what worship is. The farther you go, the less you can take with you. In this place of consciousness of God, if you can imagine being attached, everything you do in life is because you're actually attached here. Everything comes from, if you can, from the vine. The life of the vine inspires everything. The branch doesn't groan and travail and claim and fight and contend for grapes. You don't walk through a vineyard and hear the vine going, I just, I claim grapes, I, I declare grapes, I confess grapes, I confess the promises of God, no weapon formed against me will prosper, I am going to bear grapes, it is my nature to, you just don't hear any of that, because if you just stay connected, grapes are natural, right, right? There are some fruit, there's some fruits in our lives that, that are not the result of effort, they're actually the result of connection. Living in awareness of God is the ambition of the Lord for you and for me. It's not just, a, again, a mental exercise. It's a heartfelt realization. Let's say some extremely wealthy person were to come to you and they say, I have an assignment for you. If you can do this assignment for 30 days, at the end of 30 days, I will give you a million dollars. How many of you would want to know what the assignment is? <laughs> Count me in. I'm there. And so he then says, all right, the assignment is, I want you to take this ring. It's worth $10 million. And I want you to put it in your pocket. I want you to keep it in your pocket 24-7 for 30 days. If you lose it, you have to repay. If you keep it for 30 days, I will give you $1 million. 
How many of you would take the risk? <laughs> Count me in, I'm there. I, I may put a lock and chain and everything over this pocket, but I am there, you, you watch me. How many of you think as you go through your day, you might be conscious of the ring that is in your pocket? How many think you might be aware of what's there? How many of you think you'd be feeling that thing about a million times a day just to make sure it's where you put it, right? You carry something that is of greater value than the ring for which you will be rewarded a greater value than the million dollars. It's abiding, it's staying conscious, it's staying connected to what we carry. It's not a great exercise in faith in the sense that we have to somehow try to work to imagine this and imagine that. All we have to do is turn our affection to him and he reveals himself. We don't gain in this part of life through striving. We literally gain by surrender. Here it says, and by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. I know the fruit of the Holy Spirit is extremely important. By the way, it's not fruits of the Holy Spirit, patience, kindness, long-suffering, etc. It's called fruit. It's one fruit that has nine different manifestations. It's called one, it's called fruit of the Holy Spirit. I know those things are vital, but this isn't addressing that. The context is by this, what is this pointing to? The answers to prayer. You actually owe God answers to prayer. You say, what do you mean? He, he's the one who chooses to answer or not. No, there is a protocol. He's actually made a covenant where anything that's requested will be done. But what's the context? It's this abiding presence. Again, I'm not trying to create hoops to jump through because I don't like that because it, it gets sweaty. There's too much work involved. But there is an invitation for more. See, in the glory, everything is settled. I had friends years ago that, that were preaching in Africa. They were surrounded by uh, witch doctors and those of another religion. All of them wanted to kill these three friends of mine who were preaching the gospel. And then the glory came. Now, when the, when the real glory comes, not just a nice gooey, tingly feeling, but the glory becomes manifested. You don't have to suggest to anyone, I think it'd be appropriate if we knelt before the Lord about right now. <laughs> or how about raising your hands? There's none of that. Everyone, including the witch doctors, etc., put their face in the dirt. And they stayed there, can I say, terrified by the glorious one. He didn't come to destroy, but he came. The more he comes, you will be surprised at how you react. On the dirt. I don't know how long that condition remained, but I have been told that when everyone stood up, every single person was born again. Every single person was healed in their body. There was no affliction left. And every person was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, in the glory, 
it is so overwhelmingly heaven-like. Not heaven-like. It is so overwhelmingly heaven that all deficiencies are defeated on the spot. On the spot. The invitation could sound like, let's get prayers answered. The invitation is, come. Come into the glory. Learn. Learn how to navigate in presence, how to navigate your heart, response. Let's be the people that he can entrust more to than he has in this past season. It is my, it, by this my Father is glorified. How many of you, when you heard the, saw the testimony of the gal with the back, there's so much more to the story. I wish there was time to get it in a video because it's extreme. I mean, the battery was literally turned backwards. I mean, that, that battery in the back thing, that healing, goodness, it was extreme. How many of you, when you saw that, you actually gave God thanks? It was just natural, wasn't it? I mean, nobody stood up here and says, I think we should give thanks. It was just normal. Let's just give thanks. My goodness. By the way, there's been a release, a revelation of God's legal precedent released over you this morning. God heals backs. So if you have any kind of back issue, I want you to just enjoy the anointing of God that comes upon you even now. Even those who are watching by Bethel TV, We've seen already today many, many, many people touched by, the God, by God's power for healing in back issues. But let me, let me start to wrap it up with this. He said, by this my Father is glorified. How many of you want God to be glorified? I mean, really, really, sincerely, you want to have him glorified. Whenever he answers your prayer, that that he does for you brings him glory. We owe him Answers to prayer. Faith is not an issue in the glory. Unbelief is not a stumbling block in the glory. Anybody else want to live in that realm? Increase that on us, Lord. By this my Father is glorified, and the last phrase is, and so you will be my disciples. He's not saying if you don't abide, you know, if, you're not, if you don't live constantly aware of me, you're not my disciple. He's not saying that. He's just saying the fact that you're connected to me, that you are truly following me, will be seen in these ways. You were born for glory. You were born to bring answers. Heaven's answers to earth, and the process is prayer. Say this with me. I was designed to live in the glory of God. I was created to get answers. It is in my nature to partner with God and bring breakthrough. That's who you are. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast is now being translated in several languages. Visit podcasts.ibethel.org.